Welcome to episode one of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to things from our generation. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we will discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. This week, we're going to discuss Transformers Generation One with my co-host, Will Valdez. How's it going? Going great, man. Going great. <laughs> so you ready to talk about Transformers today? Let's do it. Take a trip down memory lane. <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. Uh, with that, we'll go ahead and we'll jump right into the history here on Transformers. Uh, it's had a long history. We'll be focusing on the Generation 1 series for this podcast. While there were a lot of others out there that hold a great popularity, and I know that there are a great many fans for these other series, such as Beast Wars and Transformers Prime. Uh, there's even the Transformers Tonka version that they just came out with on the Hub. Uh, we're going to really cover what we watched as kids and go with the Generation 1 series. I myself have never watched those series, so I don't feel I could do either one justice. I don't know about you, Will, but... Well, well you know, I, I really only have memories of that first generation series. Uh, you know, that just that whole time period, the G.I. Joes, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that, none of the current stuff except for the movies. That's kind of like me. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're just going to kind of roll with this here. Uh just let people know the series did start from 1984 through 1993, at least Generation 1 series, originally starting out with Sunbow Productions, then going to Marvel Productions, and later becoming Hasbro's thing. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, the show also carried a toy line that actually debuted via Hasbro previous to the cartoon and coincided with the miniseries launched in 1984, that miniseries being uh, Transformers More Than Meets the Eye, Parts 1, 2, and 3. Uh, the television show was wildly popular and even launched a motion pictures, Transformers the Movie, in 1986, which we'll be discussing later. Okay. Uh, so, really, what do you remember about the show, Will? I mean... Uh, well, I, <laughs> I remember coming out of the uh, the show, you know, just wanting to get the toys, right? I mean, that's what we all, you know, we, we would watch the cartoons... You know, we'd be we'd really dig the uh, the transforming, you know, robots. And then, you know, we rushed right out. We wanted to get those toys. Right. Which one did you want most? Oh, man. Well, it, it was it always seemed like there was a like a play set or something with it. But um, I remember uh, the probably the first one I ever got was, uh, um, you know, as a Decepticon with a helicopter and, you know, he would. I, I don't even remember his name, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I love it. <laughs> See, for me, I always wanted Optimus Prime just because he had that really cool, uh, trailer that would always transform and he had this little bot that would, that would be in there. Oh yeah. Probably he was probably the, the most popular, right? You know, well, yeah, that one, I remember having some of the Insecticons and I think I want to say I had Grimlock as well from the Dinobots. Ah, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, those were, those were some of my favorite characters and just, you know, my mom was always like, Oh no, you're not going to have them cause they're too expensive. The pieces <laughs> always get lost, you know, yeah. grind them into the carpet. So we never really had a whole lot. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm, I am a little bit, uh, a little bit more familiar with the, uh, the current gen, uh, toys. Um, I, you know, I, I, we get toys for our, you know, my little nephew and, and it just seems to me that the, uh, I, you know, I don't remember them being so difficult to transform. But Well, you know, that, yeah. it, funny you should mention that because that was actually something I was listening to somebody else talk about. And they were mentioning about really how because of the movies and because of what Michael Bay has done with the Transformers live action films, 
they were actually saying that it's made it a lot more difficult for them to actually build these transformers. Hmm. Uh, back then, you know, back in the eighties when we had them, Bumblebee was real simple. You know, he had his feet that pulled out and turned into his feet in front of the car. Right. His head flipped up out of the back and his arms pulled out the side. Right. Now you've got to have all these doors and everything that make that iconic look. Right. And they really have an issue with building it. Yeah. Well, he he's he would just get so frustrated and you know he'd, he'd hand it to me because he'd just get yeah he wanted to transform it and ah, I'll just put this together for you and and not having a clue myself. <laughs> so. You're fighting with it, and you're just like, oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> just, just, I'm afraid I'm going to break this thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But they're fun. Well, <laughs> well with that, let's go ahead and move into the characters here. Uh, do you want to go ahead and take this, Will? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we have the, the G1 characters. Uh, we're just starting off with the Autobots. We have Optimus Prime, uh, voiced by Peter Cullen. Um a uh, young robot named Orion Pax. He was attacked by Megatron in the episode War Dawn and later rebuilt, making him into the formidable Optimus Prime. As leader of the Autobots, he was dedicated, uh, he's dedicated himself to a life of stopping the Decepticons whenever they attack. Uh, he's accompanied by uh, a trailer, as you said before, in vehicle mode, um, which can become uh, a weapon platform. Uh, also accompanied by Roller, a small and speaking Autobot, which is sent on reconnaissance missions, killed by Megatron and Transformers, the movie, uh, the animated movie, that is, uh, later resurrected by the uh, Quintessons. Uh, it's Quintessons, right? Quintessons? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I want to say it's Quintessons here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was a two-part episode, The Return of Optimus Prime. So, you know. Uh, I guess we'll go into the movie in a little bit, but uh, this is a character that was killed off and later brought back, right? Several times, actually. They killed him off like three or four times in some of the later series. They killed him off in the comic book. It's a, uh, it's a great way to sell toys. <laughs> you know, that you, you just kill him and you go, oh, I think I'm going to change the design a little bit. And then, oh, I got to get the new redesign, right? <laughs> of course, of course. So, yeah, rounding off the... Uh, um, Going down the uh, the roster here of Autobots, we have Wheeljack, um, Autobots resident inventor and gadgeteer. I guess sort of the Donatello of the group, if you're going by Ninja Turtles. Term. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he often produces devices when needed, though his inventions were notorious for exploding in his face while he was still testing, working on them. Uh, he's optimistic. Along with Ratchet, he creates the Dinobots. <clears throat> and then you, we have, of course... Uh, Bumblebee, uh, often referred to as the smallest Autobot. Uh, Bumblebee often volunteers for missions where his small size is an asset. He also possessed the best eyesight of all the Autobots, uh, which made him an ideal scout. And he was rebuilt into Goldbug in The Return of Optimus Prime Part 2. And then uh, I, in, in the movie, he was just mute, right? Or he had he only spoke with the, uh, the little radio in the car. Yeah. And that was something that kind of bothered me about that because he actually – well, they get through the entire live-action movie, and he's talking through all the different channels through his radio because he's got that problem with his voice box. Right. And then at the very end, they fix his voice box, and then they come into the second live-action movie, and he's got the same damn problem as he had before. Oh, yeah. I was the, like, the second movie has all types of problems. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. 
So yeah, then we have a uh, Ratchet, uh, Autobots resident doctor and mechanic. Uh, while he's a medic, he does not have a particularly good bedside manner, as he frequently throws things like wrenches at his patients if they got hurt for doing something stupid uh, or something they could have avoided. Um, he only threw things once he had repaired them properly, of course. Um, he does this especially when it's Sunstreaker or Sideswipe, as the said patients. Uh, he's also credited for creating the Dinobots. Um, I think originally uh, the, the sort of resident doctor character was going to be a, uh, a female, right? Yeah, actually, they, they were trying to – that was actually one of the things they were waffling about. They couldn't really make a decision as to female or male. Right. And they actually came out and said, well, we really want to have all the robots being male. Right. And then it really wasn't until they got into, uh, I want to say, the Transformers movie mm. that they really started having female robots. Yeah. I guess but, I guess in an effort, you know, when you're trying to sell toys, it, the the boy toys were always the, the ones the kids would want to go after. True, and Hasbro really had a focus on the My Little Pony line for the <laughs> girls, and they were trying to keep this here separate for the boys. Although my sister did play with those toys with me when I was a kid, yeah, so very '80s mindset for sure. Yeah. So uh, now, yeah, go ahead. I do want to touch. I do want to touch real quick on one thing with Ratchet. He was voiced by Don Messick. Now, Don Messick was rather interesting because Don Messick, he was also the voice of, uh, I want to say he was either the voice, uh, he was the voice of, uh, of Scooby-Doo, mm. and he was the voice of Astro in uh, the Jetsons TV show. Right, right. So, you know, you kind of think about that, and you're hearing this voice doing this character, and it's, he, he really does have a different sound. You can hear it. Mm. But it's totally different from those other characters there. Well, well, this series, you know, it, it had a lot of prominent voice actors, right? People that, oh, yeah. yeah, launched a lot of careers. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, when you look at, you know, Peter Cullen, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Peter Cullen, he came back to do Optimus Prime for the live action movie. Right. We're talking more than 25 years later. <laughs> right. And it's, it's fantastic to see that. Uh, I know that Frank Welker, who's also another voice, uh, excellent voice actor, uh, he was doing – he actually did – I want to say he did Megatron. Mm. Uh, yeah, he did Megatron, but we'll get to that in a minute here. Okay. Uh, but, but Megatron, uh, he actually did not do the voice of Megatron for the live-action movie. Mm. He was not feeling well or something, and they just really decided that they liked Peter Cullen's voice and take for Megatron instead. Huh. So he, Peter Cullen got the voice – he got the role for that. Mm. Yeah, so speaking of uh, Peter Cullen, um, we have Ironhide next up um uh tough but impulsive uh frequently calls for battle against decepticons and sometimes in engages in battle in spite of optimus prime's orders is also head of security yeah so i i you know some of the personalities i i, I always like the fact that each one of these characters you know for for just a, a dumb little cartoon pretty much arguably used to sell toys um you know, each one of these characters kind of had their own personality and, you know, everyone kind of had a favorite one. Um, I, like I said, I was more familiar with the toys growing up, um, but later grew to love the car, the G1 cartoon as well. well I think that's how we all were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, then we have a uh, Prowl uh, voiced by Michael Bell, uh, a logical and competent tactician who operated as Optimus Prime's right hand man in many early episodes. Uh, we have Cliff Jumper, voiced by Casey Kasem. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> we all know about Casey Kasem being that famous radio voice, right? Right, uh, always on the radio. Um, 
the other VW Beetle on the show. Uh, Cliff Jumper is impulsive and needs reminding from Optimus to be cautious. Uh, then we have Jazz, uh, voiced by Scatman Crothers. Connoisseur of music, Jazz is the ability to disorient opponents with loud sound. Uh, Jazz is also named as Optimus Prime's right-hand man in the tech spec that describes his personality on his box. Now, Jazz, I got I to gotta bring this up here. Uh, I kind of had to laugh with Jazz because he is, if you remember the cartoon series uh, Hong Kong Fui. <laughs> yeah. Scatman Carruthers was the voice of Hong Kong Cooey and Hong Kong Fooey, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> and when you listen to it, you can totally hear his voice as jazz. It's not voice modulated or anything like that. It's just a slight differentiation, mm. but it's the same, same voice. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of voice actors that, you know, they go on to do other projects and you can just totally hear I, it's Dan Castellaneta. I always hear him, you know, he's the voice of Homer Simpson. And then I hear him in something else. Like he did uh, one of the, the, the Aladdin movies, uh, play, oh, yeah. play the voice of the genie. And yeah. uh, oh, that's that's Homer Simpson. You know, <laughs> always weird when you're a kid listening to that. So uh, and then finally, rounding out the um, uh, the Autobots, we have uh, Grimlock voiced by Greg Berger. Uh, he's the leader of the Dinobots, uh, not too bright, but full of heart and willing to lead on in battle. Okay, I'll go ahead and take the Decepticons here. Yeah. Uh, with the Decepticons, we had, obviously, the, the bad guy of the bunch here, the leader, uh, Megatron. He was voiced by Frank Welker. Uh, he was built one dark night on Cybertron. Megatron has terrorized the Autobots ever since, and his power appears unmatched except by Optimus Prime himself. When fully charged, his fusion cannon can kill Transformers with one shot. Mm. Now, I do have to bring this up because this, was, this is, again, was something that really kind of bothered me <laughs> with this show. When you'd see the Transformers transform, right. they would always transform into these giant objects. <laughs> you'd always see them like, you know, they turn into a plane or in Optimus Prime's case, you know, the uh, semi-truck. Right. Megatron would turn into a gun that would fit into somebody's hand. Like a Walter so take, P38 or something. Yeah, yeah. But it was just like, where did all of that go? And you see him, like, transforming and shrinking down. It was kind of like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, we have Shockwave. Uh, Shockwave was voiced by Corey Burton. Uh, he was the only Decepticon to remain on Cybertron during the other slumber on Earth, where they were here for like four million years before they finally woke back up again. Right. Uh, because of this, his alternate mode is never reformatted to resemble an Earth device like all the other characters. Uh, he never leaves Cybertron, always standing watch over the planet for Megatron. He was last seen and heard during Unicron's attack on Cybertron during the Transformers movie. Uh, it's been speculated that he was killed when his command tower was crushed. However, another generic Decepticon that looks similar to Shockwave was illustrated in colored white in the alternate opening titles of Five Faces of Darkness. Uh, again, coming back to Frank Welker here, he also did Soundwave, uh, who was the tape recorder. Uh, he did it in seasons one and three, and then Hal Rail did it in seasons two and four. Uh, not to be confused with Shockwave, he is recognizable for his mechanical voice and loyalty to Megatron. Houses all the cassette de cassette Decepticons while they are in cassette mode. He also acts as Megatron's and later Galvatron's third in command. Yeah. Uh, he was killed. Uh, he was killed in Transformers Headmasters, but revived into Sound Blaster in Japan. 
Yeah, it's funny that, you know, it, it totally dates the show, the fact that it's he's a, you know, he's a tape cassette, you know, player, <laughs> you know. Oh, I know. I know. I've actually seen, they actually redid him as a toy later on. And I want to say back in uh, 2010 or maybe uh, 2011, Hasbro had an exclusive for him right. where they made him into a little MP3 player. <laughs> And all the little cassettes that popped out, instead of them being cassettes, they would actually turn into USB discs that you could plug into the into the uh, MP3 player. That's pretty rad. So I was like, okay, <laughs> that's kind of cool. They're keeping it modern, but still having the same iconic look that they had for them. Yeah. Now, of course, we do have to mention Starscream. Yes. Uh, he was voiced by Chris Lotta. Uh, Starscream is Megatron's air commander and second in command, but is always eager to usurp him as leader of the Decepticons. Uh, his scheming has at times cost the Decepticons decisive advantages. Among his arsenal are cluster bombs and a paralyzing null ray. Now, Galvatron killed him in the Transformers movie, and his ghost later appeared in Starscream's Ghost and Ghost in the Machine. Yet in Ghost in the Machine, Unicron's power revived Starscream and tumbled out of Unicron's head, as the other Decepticons seeing this wonder if ghosts actually tumble. Uh, Starscream wasn't seen in later episodes after that, but he did make an appearance in the Beast Wars series as his Generation 1 self. Mm. Yeah, so kind of a few fun facts about him. Uh, he, I guess he hates Megatron, right? I mean, he's, oh. he, he's loyal. <laughs> I think that goes without saying. He's loyal to the cause, you know, but, um, and Megatron still keeps him around, even though he's deceitful, you know. Um, he, he was the first Decepticon to talk in the uh, series, Um and uh, I believe he was the first one to ever, the first Decepticon to ever really kill another character, another yeah. another Decepticon. Yeah. It's, now, mm -hmm. we're, we're also going to move on here to the next character, which is Thundercracker, uh, voiced by John Stevenson. Uh, he has doubts about the Decepticon cause that was rarely shown in the series. Uh, good friends with Skywarp. Uh, he can create deafening sonic booms that have only been represented in the series by Megatron in Heavy Metal War, and the emission of irritatingly loud noise, which Starscream complained about in the conclusion of the Fire on the Mountain series. Uh, he fears retribution from Megatron and has a passionate hatred and occasional rivalry with Starscream. His other notable weapons are his incendiary guns and cruise missiles. Mm. Now, lastly, we're going to kind of round out that bunch there with the uh, three planes that were all, they were all F1, F-15 Eagles. Uh, the last one is Skywarp, who's also voiced by Frank Welker. Mm -hmm. uh, not very intelligent, but an outstanding warrior, and is considered to be the sneakiest of the Decepticons. He's got a cruel sense of humor. He also has the ability to instantly teleport up to 2.5 miles. Now, carries heat-seeking missiles and variable caliber machine guns. Despite his relative lack of intelligence, he is one of Megatron's most favored soldiers. Mm. Now, I kind of like these three here just because they were always... You never really saw them apart other than Starscream being off on his own, trying to plot things to off Megatron so he could always take over. Right. Uh, but I kind of like the fact that they had three jets that would always form in formation. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it's just... that that's That's fun to watch. I mean... Yeah, Starscream, of course, was probably the most fun of the bunch for me anyway. Oh, always the plotting, always the backstabbing. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think I know why Megatron kept him around was basically just kind of the whole theory of keep your friends close, 
keep your enemies even closer. Yeah, there's a there's like I think there's a a Megatron line somewhere where you know the character actually kind of you know addresses it and like I, why do I keep them around? Uh, because I don't know, because I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somehow that doesn't surprise me with Megatron, but. Then again, you know, he did really plot and he did have all these different plans to try and steal the Earth's uh, power so that they could take it back to Cybertron. Yeah, I, I know we're going to get into the plot here in just a second, but I mean, I, I think it's, it, I would say for, you know, for most cartoons of that era, um, Transformers really seem to have a, a pretty complex plot and themes, you know, for, you know, for little kids that watch it, basically the, the audience intended uh, I mean, we're talking about, you know, it's like robots on Earth, but there are also, there are aliens and it's other worlds. And, you know, you've got like the the dynamic within, you know, like the Decepticons and, you know, things like, well, you have these these black and white characters, you know, good versus evil. But even within the evil organization, you have, you know, like, like you know, uh, Starscream, you know, trying to, you know, uh, thwart um, or backstab, dece- you know, deceive um, Megatron. So, uh, oh, most definitely, yeah, most definitely. Uh, well, let's go ahead with that. We'll go ahead and kind of roll into the plot of how they really ended up here on Earth. Uh, it originally starts out with the Autobots and Decepticons warring over their home planet of Cybertron, uh, where energy sources basically have been depleted, and they're forcing the Autobots to flee from the Decepticons and their ship, the Ark. Uh, in the process of leaving, the Decepticons fire on the ship. They cause it to crash land on Earth. And the Ark then produces overlays of vehicles on the Autobots and on the Decepticons. It was funny because the Autobots and the Decepticons actually managed to get onto the same ship. Uh, what happened was they had a, they hooked up with like a tractor beam, tunneled into the ship, and then they crash landed on Earth. Hmm. And in the process of that... Uh, when they were revived four million years later after a volcanic eruption, uh, the Decepticons actually got this ray that basically redisguised them and gave them the overlays. And they took off to go do their plotting. And in the process of Starscream at the very end, trying to finish them off and say, ha ha ha, <laughs> I've got you the Autobots. You know, he blasts the, he blasts the volcano. The volcano falls on the ship and causes Optimus, Optimus Prime to roll over <laughs> into the beam. And then all of a sudden, all the Autobots are starting to get repaired and fixed up so that they can go back out. And, and I know that they did that just as a plot hold, you know, to try and fix this plot plot device to move it along. Right. But, you know, from that point on, basically, the entire plot, all the plots of the episodes basically revolve around Megatron trying to figure out how to deplete Earth's energy resources and to try and figure out how to get them all back to uh, Cybertron so that they can overpower the rest of the Autobots. Right. Yeah, pretty pretty complex plot, like I mentioned before. Um, and just amazing how, you know, like this is this is the canon for the, the, the story, the mainline story. And, you know, there's the, the comic books and, and some often there would be these sort of inconsistent uh, inconsistencies within the, the, the various plot lines. But, um, you know, they would later try to kind of retcon them and, and sort of, you know, uh, uh, add some new pieces of exposition. Um, it, it's funny though, you know, we, we think back on it fondly, but it's, it's, it's not, 
it's hardly Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, no. I, you know, this was definitely not rocket science or anything <laughs> like that, as she said. Yeah. A lot of it was basically, hey, we're going to steal all the Earth's energy. No, we're going to stop them. And that's where it went, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. It's, it's weirdly, you know, uh, it's got problems, but we're, it's just funny because, you know, this is like, oh, what? Yeah, this is, you know, you're sitting there watching it as a kid and you go, yeah, this is great. And then you turn it and... Yeah, you watch something like, I don't know, at the time Muppet Babies or Fraggle Rock or something, you know, where it's 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 clearly among the the more complex stuff. Uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Really, it speaks for itself. I mean, when you think about how they came up with this and the fact that Transformers really still has stood the test of time. Right. I mean, the fact that, hey, you and me, we both went to go see the live action movie. (laughs) You know, parents are taking their kids to go see the live action movie and they're still going on. And there's talk of them wanting to make a fourth one. <laughs> yeah. You know, how, you know, obviously Transformers is still a very large franchise and it's not going to go away anytime soon. Yeah. Let's, let's face facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's got a, it's got a, a lore there. I mean, yeah, people do love this series. So. Well, with that, let's kind of go and talk about the movie. Uh, we're not going to really. We're not going to focus on the live-action one just yet. This is going to be about the 1986 Transformers movie. Right. Uh, movie basically takes place 20 years after the events of what happened at the end of the second season of the TV show. Uh, Spike, uh, which probably actually we should have mentioned here with the characters, uh, Spike Witwicky, uh, who later becomes Sam Witwicky in the live-action movie. Right. Uh, he actually has a son. Uh, his son's name is Daniel. And Daniel makes friends with an Autobot named Hot Rod. Now, Spike Spike himself is now an astronaut doing work on one of the moon bases. And during the landing of his shuttle on Earth, the Decepticons launch an attack. Autobots fight against him. Optimus faces Megatron, and he nearly destroys Megatron while taking fatal wounds himself. Right. Now, this is actually something that was a really, really hotly contested, was the fact that Optimus dies right, right here at this point. Uh, he, when he dies, he does give up the matrix of leadership, stating that the next leader will be able to open the matrix and become the next prime leader. Ultra Magnus, one of his lieutenants, for lack of a better term, uh, he assumes loose leadership role for the Autobots after Optimus's fall. Right. Uh, meanwhile, the remaining Decepticons, they flee to Earth. Uh, due to a shortage of fuel, this prompts the Decepticons to eject several of their injured members into space so the rest can survive. Uh, Megatron and his and the others gloat through space. Megatron and the others float through space <laughs> to encounter Unicron, a giant planet-sized transformer, who promises to help rebuild them if they will destroy the Autobot Matrix. Turns out that that Autobot Matrix is the only thing apparently that can destroy Unicron. Mm. Uh, so they agree. Megatron is reborn as Galvatron, who then turns returns to Cybertron and. This, we finally see what happens to Starscream. <laughs> he gets off. <laughs> okay. Autobots are alerted to Unicron's devastation when he consumes one of Cybertron's moons, along with several Autobots and Spike Witwicky. Uh, Galvatron decides to attack the Autobots as well. They flee off in some shuttles, which are shot down, forcing Ultra Magnus to set down on one planet and Hot Rod and Daniel to set down on another. Right. Uh, Galvatron hunts them down, dismembers Ultra Magnus, as Ultra Magnus tries to open the Matrix, he fails. And I, I, I remember this scene very vividly because you see him dying, 
And for me, it was the very first time I'd ever heard one of my cartoon characters swear. <laughs> well, you know, he's yelling. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say that if this predates, you know, something like the death of Superman, you know, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't think most people, most kids at that era uh, really, you know, um, experienced anything quite like that. No. And for me, it was just it was like, oh, my God, they're killing my favorite character. Yeah. They're, you know, they're, you know, Optimus dies. And then Ultra Magnus He's sitting there and he gets blown apart. They kill him. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and it's just, it's like, oh my God. And then I'm hearing him yelling, open, damn it, open. And, and that to me, to me was like, oh my God, he just swore. <laughs> you know, I was a kid like, what, nine, ten, right. something like that. And I'm hearing this and I'm like, <gasps> this is, this is oh your, this is on your cartoons, you know, which is yeah, hilarious. You know, I, I mean, it, it, it again goes back to that whole thing that they, they really tackled things that, you know, kids, uh, didn't normally, you know, experience at the time. And, you know, it, it, they, it, I think because there were robots, they would get away with, uh, you know, so, sort of these deaths and, um, uh, the, you know, brutal things, you know, dismemberment and things like that. You know, you can get away with that. They're, they're robots, right? Yeah. It, and there really was so much with this, with this series, uh, having just come off of like 1970s where you had a lot of things where they didn't want to show death, they didn't want to show any violence because they were trying to be nice to kids. Right. And people were kind of like, you know what? <laughs> this is lame. We're getting these lame-ass cartoons. <laughs> Let's get something a little bit more decent, something that, hey, it's a little bit more intelligent. Yeah, a little darker. Yeah. you know, And really we start to see that even now today with some of the stuff that kids are watching. You are starting to see a little bit more with death. Parents are having to deal with that a little bit more. It is a little bit more adult, but a lot of these shows also seem to be aimed for the teen and the adult crowd so that you can watch it as a family. Right. I mean, in, in many ways, I think even after this, uh, cartoons or, you know, just pop culture, fiction in general, in general, uh, regressed into sort of, um, you know, okay, we have to play it safe. And, you know, and then little by little, things kind of slowly but surely got more, you know, darker and, you know, aimed more for teens and then, you know, adults and, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're, where we're at now, you know? Well, and like moving, even when we go back into the movie here, um, when we start seeing there, the, the ending of this series, the ending of this movie, uh, we do have hot rod who does go after Galvatron discovers that Unicron in the process, when they go back to try and find Galvatron, that Unicron's turned in this giant planet sized robot. And, he turns around and he eats Galvatron because Galvatron uh, was trying to use the Matrix instead of destroying it like he was promising. Uh, he was trying to use it to control Unicron so he could wipe out the Decept uh, not the Decepticons, the Autobots. Right. Uh, well, Hot Rod, he takes and he crashes the ship into Unicron, goes inside Unicron, and locates the Matrix where he opens it. And this is where he becomes the next Prime. He becomes Rodimus Prime. Right. Uh, I remember this whole transformation like... Hot Rod turns into this, he like becomes larger and he's got these little wing things that kind of flip up off of the back. It was still kind of reminiscent of Optimus Prime right. with, the, with the iconic smokestacks that they had coming off of his back. <laughs> kind of looked like that, kind of looked like a cross between that and like, you know, a hot rodded truck. It yeah. just didn't quite work for me, but I kind of went, oh, you know what, it, it is what it is. It's a, It's another toy. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, though, you know, this, this movie, uh, which has uh, uh, Ultra Magnus and um, uh, Rodimus Prime, 
Um, those are characters that are featured in um, uh, the video game, which was, um, it was actually only released in Japan at the time, um, released for the, uh, the Famicom system for, from Nintendo. Uh, only released in Japan. Um, that game is, you know, I, I played it, some of it. Um, it's, it's just brutally difficult. Uh, but you star as um, uh, Ultra Magnus. Um, and then there's a way to, you know, sort of play through it, beat it. You collect certain power-ups, uh, certain letters that spell out Rodimus, and uh, you beat it. You can play as Rodimus, um, nice. who really doesn't play much different. He's just kind of a different sort of a, a color scheme in the game. Um, it, it's that, that game is weird in, in many uh, respects. Uh, you often, you know, when you get to a boss battle, you'll, you'll face... Um, like a, a, a Decepticon logo that shoots stuff at you, you know. Um, but a weird little game, that definitely brutally difficult. One shot will kill you, uh, but... <laughs> oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. See, the only one that I ever played uh, in re- reference to a Transformers game, uh, and I only really ever picked up a demo of it. Uh, they had... For the PlayStation 2, I want to say it was Transformers Fall of Cybertron or something ah, like that. Ah, that was, uh, uh, yeah, it was PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, yeah. Yeah. And I, I got a demo of it, uh, strangely enough, at Comic-Con. Right. Uh, they handed it out to me, and I was like, I, I played it, and I'm kind of like, eh. <laughs> it just didn't capture me. Now, probably part of that was because that was right around the whole... Uh, headmasters changed, Beast Wars changed that they were going through. And it just wasn't all that exciting to me. It was like, right. where are my favorite characters? You know, where is, they don't look the same. And I just, I, yeah. They changed it up. I, I think, so they had various sequels. And I think that, that very, um, that development team later on and followed it up with uh, another, um, uh, another game. Cause I think the first one was War for Cybertron. And then the, the follow-up was um, Fall of Cybertron. And I think Fall of Cybertron uh, was supposed to kind of show more of the... Uh, uh, I believe there's an actual cutscene in the movie or in the game that's, you know, um, from... Like, that one I never really played, but it's supposed to be from the 1986 uh, animated film where you get to play kind of that moment. Okay. Yeah. Well, now... Let's kind of talk a little bit. I, I know that we kind of talked a little bit about the live-action movie. Mm-hmm. We have the original <laughs> movie here that was done. Uh, I do want to just kind of touch base on that. I, I know we really don't have anything in our script here about it, but we'll just kind of yeah. kind of go with it. Uh, I know that there were some there were some screaming differences between uh, the original series, the Generation 1 series that we both grew up and loved, and the movie. Uh, biggest one for me being that there was no Spike Witwicky. It was Sam Witwicky. Right. I kind of understand why they did that was because who really names their kid Spike? <laughs> well, I, it's know, probably so. more, you know, it's, pro- it's probably more common than we might imagine. I, I certainly wouldn't name my kid Spike. <laughs> you know, to me, Spike was your dog, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, then again, Indiana Jones decided to take his name from the dog. So Right, true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, you probably could get away with that more in the 80s. And then, you know, there's people walked around with, you know, mullets and, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess maybe they were trying to go with it being a little bit more, uh, 
little bit more tough sounding because at the time of the 80s cartoon series, they had Spike and his dad working on uh, – they had him working on an oil rig, and that's really where they met the Autobots. Right. Uh, was after Decepticons first tried to attack the oil rig. So I can kind of see maybe you have this nickname of Spike, but really start off by calling him Sam and then say your nickname is Spike and carry that on for the rest of the series. Don't go, hey, my name is Spike and that's it. <laughs> Yeah. Again, I think I think all there's it's one of those little qualities that, you know, makes it, you know, like uniquely a product of the 80s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like when you go back and you look at at like some of the some of the Transformers themselves, uh, for example, the big one of the big changes with the Transformers from the live action movie and from the cartoon series, Bumblebee. Right. Bumblebee in live action film, they had him turning into uh, a 74 Camaro. Yeah in the in the movie at first and then they transform into the then prototyped uh 2009 Camaro. Right. You know, it, and I understand why they did it. They GM bought into it. They had all their licensing shown throughout because all the uh all the Autobots characters were all GM vehicles. Right. Uh and I found it kind of funny that they had some of the Decepticons being like uh I forget which character it was, but they had one of them turning into a Mustang Celine <laughs> yeah. cop car, yeah. which I thought was kind of kind of like a little taste of hey, Chevy is better than Ford. <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 a big block summer blockbuster. You know, you're, they're going to have the product placement in there, and and uh, why not? You know, it's it. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, it, it just the one thing that kind of bugged me about that, and I'm not too upset because Bumblebee did look pretty cool, but. Right. To me, Bumblebee always has been and always will be a 1984 Volkswagen Beetle. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, you of course, if you're a diehard fan and you know you want things to come out the way you remember them, um, but I mean, it, it's just the reality of movie business, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. And I will say this: much as people do hate on on Michael Bay, <laughs> was that he did really kind of try to keep forward to the whole idea of these robots transform into something that stays the same size. Right. It wasn't like in the cartoons where you had Megatron transforming into this little gun. When they had Mega, when they had Megatron transform, he actually turned into like a starship. Right. Which I liked that. I thought it was really good. It makes, it, I kinda went, makes a little more sense. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, instead of, um, instead of trying to imagine like, well, this is a gun, but it's just, it's an insanely dense gun. Like, no, that doesn't really work. <laughs> You know, and I thought, I thought, well, okay, maybe they'll have him transform into like some sort of giant cannon or something because I could have accepted that. <laughs> but at the same time, it still worked for Megatron. It actually, I think, it worked better than it did for the cartoon series. Yeah. And I'm probably going to take some flack for that, but I'm going to stand by what I said. <laughs> Everybody's entitled to their opinion. <laughs> oh, of course. You know, hey, I, I always tell people opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, and they all stink. Yes, yes, <laughs> they all stink to somebody. <laughs> Uh, Will, do you want to go ahead and take our trivia? I know there's not a whole lot, and we've probably covered some of it already, but if you want to go ahead and grab that. Uh, yeah. Well, so let me see here. Um, so, yeah, as we mentioned before, um, yeah, the movie really caused um, uh, a big outcry uh, with, you know, the the depicted death of, um, you know, Optimus Prime. But uh, it, it wasn't only fans. Um it, death it was just such a taboo thing back then um hasbro actually took a lot of flack for um uh for this and and they wanted to kill off duke 
in the G.I. Joe cartoon series. Um, they still went through with the decision as both the G.I. Joe movie and the Transformers movies were in production. Um, but they wanted to keep a product continuity between the two lines of uh, having the leaders killed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th that's something we didn't really go into too much is the sort of um, the crossover um, with uh, Transformers. You know, you had G.I. Joe and in the comics, uh, there was a, a crossover with uh, when it was you know, Marvel Comics with uh, Spider-Man uh, in there, which I always. See, I yeah, go ahead. Oh, I forgot about Spider-Man. Go ahead and mention that. I Go ahead and bring that up, because I completely forgot to put that in here for us. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was as part of the Marvel Comics line, um, you did have a, a crossover there with Spider-Man. And, you know, it, it's it's weird in this, uh, and, you know, when you, when you see a movie like Avengers that comes out and it's got, you know, all these different um, superheroes come together, you know, you wonder, um, you know, maybe maybe if they were to add uh, crossover transformers into, you know, another genre like that, like, you know, GI Joe movies would be interesting with, you know, the, the, now that you have the live action GI Joe and the live action um, transformer movies, it, it would just make sense. Right. Just kind of, uh, um, you know, cross them over, but yeah, really strange. I, I don't, I'm not sure how many people are aware of that with uh, Spider-Man. Um, having crossover. Well, I know that in some of the later episodes, some of the later seasons that went through with the uh, Transformers, like the Generation 2 and, and so forth, that they actually did have crossovers with uh, some of the uh, some of the G.I. Joe characters. I know Cobra Commander showed up in one episode, and it was like for a fleeting moment, <laughs> but they had him actually in a Transformers uh, in a Transformers episode. And I want to say that they did something where they had some of the Transformers showing up later on in one of the G.I. Joe episodes. Yeah, I, th this the crossover stuff always seemed uniquely like a comic book thing to do. You know, you'd always see it in a variety of, you know, Marvel comics, uh, DC comics. You'd always see other characters crossing over into other, you know, um, uh, you know, comics. But um yeah, you didn't really see that too much with the uh, the cartoons uh, back. Yeah, I, I think that they were trying to do more of like just Easter eggs with some of that with cartoons. Like it was just, oh, hey, look, there's Bone Crusher, you know, <laughs> a little, little uh, Decepticon icon sitting on the side, but he never actually transformed or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, it, it would be interesting to see a full, like I mentioned before, a full blown like Marvel and the, you know, Transformers universe colliding, you know, something like a Galactus and, you know, would fit right perfectly in that universe, right? Ooh, I could totally see that. <laughs> Being Having Galactus and Unicron coming together and having them face off. Yeah, you know. I you, could totally see that. You know, ro robots that turn into, you know, planets and then you have a devourer of planets. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, you're thinking, I could totally see that storyline. Yeah, exactly. Galactus deciding to try to eat Unicron. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it, the, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Um, but yeah, so we also had um, uh, Optimus Prime uh, was, you know, as you mentioned before, him getting killed off. That was intended uh, to be just a final death, like they were just going to kill him off 
and um, sort of introduce new uh, Autobots and Decepticons and, and uh, you know, you can sell a whole new line of toys. Um, but with the public outcry, uh, which really surprised the producers, um, they brought him back. Of course, again, the beauty of that is you bring back a character, they're kind of a little bit redesigned, a little tweaked, and then you can sell even more toys. Uh, so, you know, it just turns out win-win for them, right? Oh, of course. They, you know, they got any way to turn a buck for it. You know, and <laughs> I'll be admitting that I was one of the first people to get sucked into buying Oh, I gotta have Optimus Prime as as he's dark, or he's <laughs> you know he's this character. Right. We saw that stuff with like the you know one of the big ones that I remember was uh, the Batman characters, the Batman action figures yes. having like six different Mister Freezes and six <laughs> different Batman versions. Uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did the same thing with their characters having you know Mutagen Mikey, you know. Yeah. All that sort of stuff, you know. I, I was always, you know, with the Ninja Turtles especially, I know we're not get really getting into Ninja Turtles too much, but, yeah, just with the toys, you know, you'd have many of one type of character, like the Foot Clan, you'd want to just get a bunch of them because, you know, the, you want them to fight oh, yeah. an army, so. Oh, yeah, it, it was the same thing with the with the Transformers. You always wanted to have a couple of the Autobots, and you always wanted to have that Optimus Prime so that he could lead the others off on their, yeah. their adventures, Big and you wanted to have battle. a bunch of them. <laughs> of course, of course, because you always saw that on the cartoons. You know, you're always like, oh, hey, Megatron's going to battle Optimus Prime, and they're going to throw down, but you always have all these little side characters that have to back him up and be their, you know, be there to side with them and say, "Hey, let's take him on." And then you know you're you're you bring him into the bathtub, and it's suddenly like, "Yes, a water environment." And <laughs> you know, and that was something else I never noticed. I don't remember ever seeing like uh, like a submarine Autobot. <laughs> I, I know that they. I remember seeing like toys from other lines, like you know, the God Forbidden. We're going to discuss it later on, but the GoBots, they had little transforming submarines and stuff, which I hated. But, you know, I remember actually seeing other toys that were trying to be knockoffs having stuff like that. It's it's like through land, sea, and air, right? Is that that's kind of the G.I. Joe thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. But I never saw Transformers that turned into uh, that turned into like water, like water stuff. You know, I always saw them flying through space or having on land. Maybe it was just me not noticing, not remembering. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's been it's been probably twenty twenty plus years since I've last seen an episode of Transformers. So yeah, it's it's been a while. I mean, again, my memory is so I, I'm so hazy on that stuff. And you know, I, I think I don't I don't even know. I'm sure it exists somewhere the the series on DVD or something, but. Um, well, yeah, I would actually, since you mentioned that they do have quite a few different versions of it. Uh, Rhino records did produce several of the DVD box sets. Uh, and I want to say Hasbro has them out now that they have the licensing to it. Mm. Uh, the thing with the thing with the way that Rhino did it, which really kind of pissed me off, they would come out with Transformers generation one, volume one, ah. season one, and then they'd come out with a volume two season one so you'd get like eight episodes <laughs> on first volume and then you have to like get another eight episodes uh, and so forth. hate that hate that but you know, you know it's it's funny though we we tolerated um it, it was a lot worse when it was vhs before like we tolerated much worse when 
Oh, you, yeah. You'd get a video cassette, um, and it'd be two episodes, and they they would never. I think they would never release like a full season or anything. No, that they didn't. And I kind of wish that they did. But, yeah. you know, now that they have the DVDs, they can cram a lot more stuff on there, even Blu-ray. Yes. Give us, I, I'm still waiting for the final complete series of Generation 1. You're right. I want something on Blu-ray where I can have from the first one all the way through to the last episode. Oh, yeah. I'll buy it. I, I think, Has, yeah. <laughs> if we're not there, I think we'll we'll get there uh, soon enough. I mean, we, we have the uh, uh, the DVD box sets of the Ninja Turtles in the big, you know, Ninja Turtles van um, that collects just all of the season uh, sets for that. Yeah. So. And, I, you know, it's... I know it's got to be coming. Yeah. If they if they don't have it in the works, you know, Hasbro, if you're listening, put it out for us, please. Please, please, please. <laughs> and and hey, why not send a couple copies uh, to, you know, our way? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll listen to it. We'll watch it. We'll critique it for you again. Yeah. We'll, we'll be happy to go over and cover the subject again on a later podcast. And yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, so rounding out the trivia, we have uh, uh, due to production errors – uh, Frank Welker's voice for Soundwave is left unmodified uh, by vocoder in um, at least two episodes. Um, so it's kind of what you end up with is that uh, for those episodes, uh, Soundwave kind of sounds like Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. Ah, uh, uh, that whole <laughs> Dr. Claw thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Another interesting thing um, with the, uh, the voice talent um uh, so we mentioned before Starscream, um, he was voiced uh, by uh, a Chris Latta. Um, so it's said by uh, the G1 executive script consultant, uh, Flint Dill, um, he's claimed in, in interviews uh, that Chris Latta um, would often have to be bailed out of jail by members of the production staff. Um, it, it, I guess it caused so many problems that uh, it was it was actually a factor in just phasing Starscream out of the series. Uh, sadly, Lada uh, died in Ventura, California on June 12, 1994. Um, it was a weirdly mysterious death. Um, they say his, his, uh, the official cause of death was uh, a, uh, recorded as cerebral hemorrhage. Um, following a long illness, but uh, you know, I, I think so, some of his co-stars, uh, people close to him, kind of you know felt that well, we never really learned what he died of, um, but uh, kind of you know, interesting well, with him, yeah. Now another little interesting tidbit about that. Uh, I just found this out like last week. I was listening to Rob Paulson's podcast that he does called Talking Tunes. Mm. Uh, his assistant on that show, Abby, uh, actually is uh, Chris Latta's daughter. Oh, wow. And so she's kind of coming back into the voiceover world. She actually has a blog out that she does, and I want to say it's Starscream's daughter or uh, something like that, starscreamsdaughter.blogspot.com. And please, Abby, if you're listening, you know, I apologize if I butchered that. Yeah. Please, you know, please feel free to respond and let us know what the correct address is because I don't actually have it here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's done a blog talking about that and actually talking about how her dad was doing Starscream and, and how she was when she was a kid. They'd go out and, and people would like – they'd know who he was and they she'd get a little bit of that and they, people would – you know, he would do the character for people. Mm. So 
Yeah, and very entertaining, uh, the voice of uh, Starscream. Yes, that he was. <laughs> he will be missed, but that he was very entertaining. Yes, yes. Um, uh, so kind of, uh, we ha- we actually have one more little factoid here. Um, uh, it, it, uh, in the show, you had uh, the president of a fictional com- country called uh, Carbamia. <laughs> Carbamia Abdul Fakadi. Um, appears in the Transformers, The Five Faces of Darkness, Part 1, and uh, Transformers, Thief in the Night. Um, its character story was meant to be a parody of the Middle East tensions at the time. Uh, his name is an anagram for of uh, Libyan President uh, Muammar Gaddafi, um, and uh, the name of uh, Fakadi's country, Karbamia, also contains an in-joke, obviously, Karbamia. Uh, <laughs> Uh, reportedly voice actor Casey Kasem, um, who is of Arab descent, actually, uh, I, I didn't quite know that, uh, objected to this and quit uh, Transformers series as a result. Um, so, yeah, it's something I never knew about that. Yeah, you know, that was one of those things that I always hear about it, these little it, these little things like that. And I always wonder why sometimes why some of these characters leave the show, why you don't all of a sudden see them right. or why the actors change. This is a great example of it. You know, and I feel bad that that sort of thing caused Casey Kasem to leave. He really is, yeah. you know, he really is a great voice actor and for him to leave over something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, at the time in the 80s that was something that was hotly contested. And we still today have a lot of stuff like that oh, yeah. where people are contested over, "Oh, you're of Arab descent. You, well, you must be bad." Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I kind of feel like uh, back then you could probably get away with uh, more things like that. Um, you know, in an era where you didn't have the internet. Uh, I mean, nowadays, uh, I think if you were to do anything, I mean, you know, it's <laughs> the country's called, you know, Carbamia, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think, I think you could get a little bit more sort of racial and, and, and dig into the stereotypes a little bit more. Um but uh, yeah, now I think things, you know, over time, uh, it's gotten more and more sensitive and, and uh, it just, you see things from the eighties and, you know, even before that uh, you just can't get away with nowadays. True. Yes. So, well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, this wraps it up for our episode for this episode of talking about my generation. Uh, please feel free to leave us feedback on iTunes. Send us a tweet. Uh, my, my Twitter name is at S-P-R-Z-O-U-T, at Sprizout. And uh, my uh, Twitter handle is uh, at W-T Valdez, V-A-L-D-E-S. Okay. Uh, you can also send us an email at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. And in the words of, of Optimus Prime, we'll go with this for this episode, <laughs> Transformers, transform and roll out. Roll out. <laughs>